Bad bros and besties. Divide the pie using a protractor. Remember that sharing is caring, except when it's not. And hey, mom said it was my turn with the Canaanite harem. I just want to go on record and say that the feckless momes are protractor. And it's time to talk tell to me. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am still Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Momes. And this butternut squash that you are is Talk Tell to Me. A double helping of pottage in the grand tent of Progrock, in which next of kin Nick and Oracle Omen will receive the blessings of every single song that repentant rock band Jethro Tull has ever let fall unto the barren earth. We will predict the genealogy of David Goodyear, build a boat to survive the Florian Flood, and confirm that John O'Hara really is a halal product. <laughs> remember, it's, if it's not halal, it's haram. And if we play our cards right, we may just be able to obtain the bluesy birthright blessing of the multi-instrumental messiah, the Pentecostal programmer, the baptismal Black Poolian, the holy harmonicist, Ian, father of the tribe, Anderson. <laughs> he, he is a father of a tribe. I think that's a, that's a really good way to put it, actually. We, and we are the tribe. Ex- exactly, yeah. His tribe of tall skulls. Daddy, did we do good? Yes, yes. Go play with the cats. Nick, uh, here we are. This is a very... This truly is an episode of Talk Tall to Me. That, I can comfortably say that, yes. And we are going to do what we do. Yes, talk about things, talk tall to me, and usually not talk tall to me related. On that tangent, what is pottage? Is it just like oatmeal? I think it's, yeah. I think that there are a lot of various names for grains that have been boiled. Oh, yeah. I believe that pottage is a variety of of gruel. Gruel specifically, I think, is made with barley. So pottage Mm. might be specifically made with... Pots or something? <laughs> Pots. You should boil your pot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Pottage. Oh, Pottage Dreamlight Valley. No. Potage. Uh, soup or stew. Super stew. That's it. Could be anything. Vegetable super stew made of ingredients at hand. Any, it, it's, anything yeah. could be in it. It's stone soup, basically. Yeah. Okay. There's your history lesson, everybody. And that'll come in useful as a fun tool later. Wow, you're friends with that tidbit. (laughs) Nick, what are we talking tell about on this very day? On this very day, we are talking the second track off of The Zealot Gene. It is the song Jacob's Tales. Jacob's Tales. Subheading Genesis 25, verses 27 through 33. That's right. Get him tattooed onto your forearm. And for now, let us listen to the word of Anderson and have a listen to Jacob's Tales. Let us pray. Nick? 
Goodness me, what a quick one that was. Coming in at 2 minutes and 11 seconds, one of the shortest Tull songs that we have listened to in quite some time. Yeah, I mean, we had some radio-length ones in the 80s, some shorter ones, but this one, this one definitely seems very quick. Really, really quick, and really pared down in terms of instrumentation. This could be an all-Ian song. I believe it is. I believe it is our first all-Ian song. I believe that you are right. Harmonica, acoustic... Mando and tambourine. tambourine. Yeah, and does it. Yeah, that's it. And voice. It's great though. Yeah, and and voice obviously. Let's break it down a little bit further. Um the first thing that we hear is the harmonica and the acoustic guitar, the holy harmonica? How bluesy funky is that? When was the last time that we heard a harmonica in a Jethro Tull song? I know I'm going to get this wrong, but it's probably, <laughs> I mean, it's probably what, stand up? Or I, this was? Is it that far back? I think that's the last that I can think of. Yeah. I mean, genuinely. I know they, that he uses it in a little light music on the live tour. But I mean, that's obviously not a studio album. Maybe there's a bit, oh, I'm going on a, on a limb. Is there any harmonica in any of the Queen and Country, sorry, any of the War Child Ooh. bonus tracks? That's a good question. I don't think so. I think it's predominantly overpowered by the saxophone. I think. Well, there we are. Yeah. Could be wrong. If you know the last time that we heard harmonica from Tull, let us know. Someone out there knows this. And this is something that we've talked about before, but Ian has a tendency to drop an amazing banger of an instrumental on an instrument that we've never heard him play before. Right. And then shelve it <laughs> yeah. for 40 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we get a claghorn solo in rock flute. I Clag horn. I would like that so very much. And then, oh no, you know what? It's going to be a claghorn and a a lyricon duet. <laughs> you know, I would settle for a saxophone. I like Ian's sax playing. Yeah, agreed, agreed. There, there's, there's one or two where it's like, eh, but, but very quickly I, I get over it. Um, but anything off of War Child is just very cuts me right to the soul. It's very good. And this isn't just. Oh, I think I'll blow on the harmonica. This is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I know you're not a big Bob Dylan fan, and with good reason. <laughs> Very correct, yes. But if you listen to Dylan, the harmonica was a central part of his act, of his aesthetic, for yeah. years and years and years. And it sucks. I mean, no, no shade <laughs> against Dylan. I think Dylan is an extremely important songwriter, poet, poet laureate of the 20th century, really, in America. But... His harmonica playing is not particularly skillful. Well, I mean, on par with his singing, you know, <laughs> like he, I mean, that that's kind of the brand that Bob Dylan somehow managed to cultivate. Forces you to listen to the lyrics. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But in this, but this is like really good mouth harp. Nope. It, yeah. It's mouth harp. Call it a mouth harp. Yeah. A mouth harp is actually something different. Yeah, that's the, the, the PC name for the Jews harp, yeah. That's the boingy thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mouth organ, I think it's called. I'll show you a mouth organ. 
Mm-hmm. I always, I have to, I have to beat you to it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do, you do, and you're. I see the light glow in your eyes, and I'm like, ah. some something about a cock. I don't know. <laughs> Wieners. This truly is an amazing piece of of harmonica playing. Really, yeah. really tuneful. Really well designed well composed i want to say it's well rounded there's body to it but it's it's not crazy complicated i'm not sure how complicated you can get on a harmonica if i'm honest but but it's like it's it feels like it's it's on the simpler side simple not being pejorative at all i think that what aids ian in playing the harmonica is his flute trained embouchure because the difficulty with the Mm. harmonica is the way it's constructed is it's it's a bunch of different reeds all stacked right next to each other. And yeah. if, you, if you breathe in, it activates one of them. And if you blow out, it activates a different one. And so in theory, you can activate one single reed at a time. Yeah. But you would have to have, you'd have to be able to contract your mouth pipe to the size of a, of a, the edge of a dime. You yeah. have to have a, a wind stream that's so small. This, the the hole to get to that reed is is very very condensed yeah it's like blowing into even like half of a straw yeah like a coffee stirrer yeah a swizzle stick yeah there you go and he's able to really hone in on very specific notes and make them very clean which means he's he's yeah. crushing his embouchure to this fine stabbing point yeah I, I think attributing it to the three hundred years of playing the flute is probably pretty accurate there. His embouchure is sharper than Eddie Jobson's nose. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There it is. There it is. I said it. The truth comes out. (laughs) I said it and I don't even feel bad because I don't even remember what I said. (laughs) That's the best way to live, like a goldfish. (laughs) The guitar playing is what we have come to expect, Mm -hmm. but it's worth noting how beautiful it is. Who cares about the family silver, the glints and dusty halls? Yeah, it's not it's not the the sweet, soft, heartbreaking acoustic that I am very partial to that Ian plays, but it's it's very nice. It's great. And the combination of those two things yeah. really creates a feeling. Yeah. And sustains us for the majority of those two minutes and eleven seconds. Yeah, the, the harmonica falls away. We get singing, we get the Plinky Mando comes in again. That's fun. That's really fun. Same old chances, toss of dice. Evil eyes look twice as nice. Blood runs thicker, blood runs cold. Seek legacy before it's sold. I knew that you just jumped out of your skin with happiness when you heard that mandolin. I forgot there was mandolin in there. When I heard it, it was like, oh. Ooh. You forgot that there was mandolin in the world. I, I do, Yeah. Yeah, it's like when a, when a dog's master leaves and, it, and they come back. It's like, oh, oh, you're my friend. I remember that. <laughs> Nick sat at the Mandolin bus station for 12 years. There's that's a right. statue of him there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I did. We also have some lovely tambourine playing. Oh, yeah. Very fun. Same old chances, toss of dice. Which does exactly what it needs to do, which is just give a little bit of pizzazz, a little rhythm, a little zest. Yeah, little extra flair to things. It adds another dimension to it without without taking anything away. It really does add to it. I think it would be a little flat without it, if I'm honest. It really, really works for it. Using musical and or non-musical terminology, Nick, how would you describe the overall vibe of this sound? 
I don't know if it's in a minor key, but it does feel a little minor. It feels a little dark. Not like not like what's coming up. Mine is the mountain, which is really dark. Yeah. But it feels it feels like like it's just a little off, you know, which I like. I, I personally I like about it. It's really fun. It's a fun sound. And it's it makes a really nice bridge in terms of Mrs. Tibbetts content being like, oh lordy, I need I need a second to breathe into a paper bag. Jacob's tales. You really got to think to understand what the heck's going on and you really yes. have to listen. But the sound carries through that kind of like mellow, dark sound. And then it, uh, obviously it goes into Mine is the Mountain. And then after that, the zealot gene and carries on. Lightens up at Shoshana, but it's a nice dark bridge. Interesting that you call it dark. You know, my my main, what my takeaway from it is that. It's funky. It can be dark and funky. Yes, it can. Like you. That's what Mushroom's like. <laughs> I would describe it as like folky and upbeat, and it does mm. have that minor section in it. Who cares about the family silver? Yeah. Dee, 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 dee. But then quickly it goes into the... Yeah. It almost is like... It's deceptive, because it, it, it feels... At times it feels so simple as to be... It almost feels like it could be Pete Seeger. You know, it could be one of those old folk daddies. What are they called? Folk singers. (laughs) I like folk daddy. (laughs) Cat Stevens. And folk daddy likes you. Paul Simon, yeah. Yeah, folk daddies. But then it does have that darker vein running through underneath. I think it's, it's... now that I think about it and you're you're thrusting it into my face, I see that like the tambourine is a bright instrument, the mando is a bright instrument, the harmonica is a bright instrument. Ah, interesting. His voice is darker, and I think the guitar is on the darker side. But it's it's when he slows down and it's really his singing comes to the forefront that it is on that minor side, and it is that's when it comes darker. And I think that's the part that obviously that's the part that sticks out to me. That sticks with you, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. It, funny how two people can perceive the same thing in in two different ways. Yeah. Well, and goodness, isn't that kind of the, a theme of this album? Fair enough. It's, I mean, I, ultimately, I think it's become the thesis of Talk Told to Me. Oh. I disagree. <laughs> Just a note about his voice, there's a, a fair amount of warm reverb on it, mm-hmm. which... I actually really like. I do too. Yeah. I don't know that I would like that if it was on everything. Yeah. But in the context of this song, it feels like we're sitting around at the Blind Lemon in San Francisco listening to uh, Johnny Three Fingers who came in to tell us a tale of his travels. On a guitar playing with three fingers? On a guitar playing with with three fingers, yes. Yeah. Speaking of his voice, I hear breathing. I hear his his breaths in here. I hear him kind of wind up with an inhalations. And I, I wonder if that is a conscious decision in terms of editing or not. I'm not sure. I imagine so. That makes me think that maybe he's singing quite close to the mic. Yeah. Yeah. For what it's worth, I didn't hear it until I listened on these these really, really good headphones. Right. It's pretty... It's not super evident. Yeah, it's very subtle. Yeah. But they're in there. A subtle breath. They're in there. I I think I'm going to try to remember to 
listen for them throughout the rest of the album on on ones that are they're quiet enough to actually hear that that breath well and you know you and i have both done a fair amount of audio editing uh you more than me at this point but i've i've probably worked on a, a larger diversity of projects well maybe not actually we've both done editing for audio and sometimes it makes sense to remove the breath sound mm-hmm. and sometimes you want to keep it in because it right. gives that sense of humanity it gives that sense of character and emotion and it would sound weird and i think that with so few instruments if you had the bass going and you had the if you had the drums going and all in the organ you wouldn't need an extra sound in there but i think in this case with so few instruments it it gives another little warm element to it yeah i think we are sitting in that studio listening to him sing very much very very much yeah it's very personal i like that i like that idea about it yeah anything else to say about the musicality of this song no no it's as fun and funky as it is there it's only just over two minutes and oh the very end that that dark little sting it feels like it's just going to keep repeating and then all of a sudden it's like i think that's got to be minor that little fade out you know what i think that is it's a harmonica Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay good nailed it i think it might be a suspended chord Oh, it was bad in school, and uh, it has to take time off. Indeed, it was very bad. Suspended chords are where... So a minor chord or a major chord can be... Oh, God. Everyone everyone who's who's studied any music is just about to laugh. (laughs) Buckle up. Yeah. (laughs) Take your blood pressure medication. (laughs) But they are essentially resolved within themselves. Oh, you have the root, you have the fifth, and you have the third or the minor third. Yep. I, I, let's say. Yep. A suspended chord. One of those is a half step or a whole step off from where it should be. Right. And so it creates this feeling of being unresolved. Yeah. 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 A lot of times in jazz, they will do that very specifically on the last note. Yeah. They'll end it on a note one step out from when it went where it quote-unquote should be to create that sense of like ooh, a push and a pull they sometimes call it the blue note oh not the brown note that's something different very different but i feel like he's done that here to give that sense of like here's the thesis of the song here's everything here's the moral or is it and also i don't i I mean it probably it must be intentional given the specificity that ian it has when he is creating and 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 building things it leads into mine is the mountain so well yeah exactly And maybe it's just the by virtue of the fact that you said that it's it leaves you wanting more, so that closure comes with and it that closes the circle, you know? Yes, 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 yes. And opens a new one. Yeah. That you fall into. By virtue is is actually one of my um it's on my shield. Yeah. You 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 do have by virtue. Thank you. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. In the book Silent Singing, the Tome, in the preface to this chapter, if it were, the lyrics of The Zealot Gene, Ian writes, 
At last, the new collection of songs that you have not really been waiting for. I beg to differ, Ian. I started work on this back at the end of 2017, would you believe? Mm. But concert touring and at-home other commitments, like the bibliographical Ballad of Jethro Tull reissues. That's right. I forgot about those. Box sets and the transcribing of this lyric book meant that I only managed to complete four tracks between the tours of 2019. You will notice in very small type the biblical chapter and verse references which fueled my songwriting here. I place great worth in the Holy Bible, especially the second half, and regard the storytelling and morality lessons as inspirational. But then there are the tales of rage, lust, envy, treachery, devotion, loyalty, and love to cope with. The occasional fear-mongering does not sit well with me. Probably wouldn't have sat well with Jesus of Nazareth either. But then who am I to guess? Especially since he must rely entirely on others for his narrative and its many translations. I think we have, as part of our human condition, an inner rage which defines so much of our identity. Implanted in almost all of us is the tendency to get mad about some object we are obsessed with. We all too easily open our doors to indoctrination and pious cant and corrosive partisan political extremism. Toss in prejudice, xenophobia, and hard-right conservatism for good measure. It is almost as if we have some genetic component driving us toward that sub-intellectual graffiti for which the outlet these days is the aerosol spray can of social media. <laughs> the Holy Bible was historically, in its own majestic and savagely beautiful way, a quite extreme tome of diatribes and forceful instruction bestowed more widely upon us common folk following the invention of the printing press. Today, with considered hindsight, we must read carefully between those many lines and excuse its sometimes vengeful, violent, and lofty patriarchal tone. The good book is indeed that. Mostly good. But handle with care. The tomcat has a twitchy tail. I blacked out for the last couple of minutes. Dear God, you chewed that scenery to pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I majored in overacting, you know that. Clearly, yeah. Yeah, you built your own major at Sarah Lawrence. I mean, there's so much interesting stuff in, in what he says. And I, I mean, it's, it's, we could almost do a whole analysis just of that text. Mm. One thing is that he says he places great worth in the Holy Bible. And, and why not? It is, it is a, a fundamental text of our culture, whether we like it or not. And we've known that about Ian. He had his, his kind of rebellious presentational phase early on, thinking Aqualung, my God, etc., etc. But he has kind of mellowed out. He did mellow out over the years, and, and he has said that he 
He thinks religion can be a good thing. It has been twisted, and, and he, he has grown to appreciate it, and, and the Bible as well. Well, and, and in all of his critiques, he never is critiquing Jesus or the Bible. It's always right. he's critiquing the institutions that have been set up to, to benefit from those teachings. Yeah, yeah. Who, who don't uphold the actual reality of what the, of what the texts teach. Right, yeah. One thing that I find really interesting that he cites is the his narrative and its many translations. The whole issue of translation in the Bible has been really probably not examined closely enough throughout history. The Bible has undergone so many different translations, and at each, as the Italians say, to translate is to betray. Mm. Of course, they say it in Italian, so who knows? <laughs> but... There's even, I think we were talking about this recently, that, that he, as late as the 1950s, 60s, there was a new translation of the Bible, which specifically said the line about, you know, if you go back to the original Greek or Aram, Aram, Aramaic, Aramaic, Aromatic, Aromatic <laughs> text, text, especially with a little bit of oil fried at a high temperature. Nice. It is the line is something along the lines of uh, a man should not lay with a child. Mm. And later on, they conveniently change that. Some group of people with an, with an intention. With an agenda. With an agenda, change that to a man should not lie with a man. Easy translation mistake. Yeah. But easy translation on purpose as well. <laughs> and that has been the underpinning of the harassment of, uh, of the gays and that's the gays plus ever since. Yeah. Because one guy wanted to lay with children and not men. What? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's easier to say societally, yeah, pedophilia is bad. Right. But you need to you need to reinterpret and retranslate something in order to say gay is bad. Oh, that's also a good a good way to think about it. I thought you were going the route of all the priests being gay and therefore allowing it in in a sense. Oh, maybe we should take out the bit where it says men shouldn't lay with children because we know that the priests are doing it. Ooh. Because we do that. Oh, that's even spicier. That's even spicier. Yeah. Make that line about the gays. We'll till we'll till. We'll two, two, we'll kill, till two, two turds with one pone. <laughs> we'll till two turds with one bone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anything else to say about the middle? About Ian's, Ian's blurb about the zealot gene? No. Do you believe that we have as part of our human condition an inner rage which defines much of our identity? I don't think it's a human condition. I think it's learned. I think if you didn't, if you weren't exposed to it, you would learn to handle your rage and emotions better and therefore wouldn't have it bottled inside of you as, as the burning core. Yeah. I think that's a very Western idea. And I think that in cultures in, in the East, there would be much more likely to, to agree with what you just said. Yeah. I do think that we are naturally predisposed to see ourselves as part of in-groups and out-groups, which he is talking oh, about. Oh, sure, here. yeah. Prejudice, xenophobia, etc. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's animal brain, though. That's lizard brain. That goes way, way back. So I wouldn't even say that's human condition. I would say that's, that's pre-human condition. 
but it definitely affects our human absolutely condition. Yeah. yeah yeah but you know you're right it, it it predates we see it in other primates mm-hmm. and we can suppose that it was common that it was a feature of our primate ancestors yeah we've evolved significantly we have intelligently designed significantly but we have not we do still have some of those things we still have bodies you know what i'm trying to evolve every day and it just doesn't work i said to my when my mom was here recently she asked i was talking about some pain that i was having and i said you know it's just it's just a disadvantage of having this corporeal form and she said well that's temporary Diane, so straight from the hip, just straightforward. It's about to get contextualized. As you mentioned earlier, we are talking Genesis chapter 25, verses 27 through 33 for this particular song. And it begins, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Mm. Mm. Preach. All right, initial thoughts on just that portion of of the Holy Bibli. What do you think? Could do with some punch-ups, not too many jokes. Mm -hmm. A bit dry, a bit flat. Mm -hmm. A bit dry. Yeah. So... You know, uh, also, I think you were reading the New International Version, and I'm looking at the King James Version. Okay. Just some some small little differences. And and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Hmm. What was your line? Which one was that? Line 28. 28. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. Yeah. yeah. So the meat man liked, liked the hunter. So, Rebecca and Isaac, for anyone playing Bible catch-up, welcome to the Mom's Sunday School. Take off your pants and stay a while. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's, that's too, too on the nose. Too much like we were just talking about. Put on an extra pair of pants and stay a while. Isaac and Rebecca were the, were the parents of Jacob and Esau. Okay. They were all descendants of Abraham. Correct. And when Rebecca was pregnant, God said, you will give birth to two warring factions. Deal with it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Ever since conception, their conflict was foreshadowed and the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. Gross. (laughs) And she said, I feel like there are two nations in here. God. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when they were born, Jacob 
was born second. Esau was born first, and Jacob was born clutching onto the heel of his brother as if to pull him back into the womb to be born first and thus claim the birthright. Ooh, yeah. And so Jacob means he who grasps the heel, which is a Hebrew idiom for um, deceptive behavior, which makes you wonder about all those Jacobs out there. (laughs) Sure does, yeah. Then there's a whole thing that happened after, but this is really about the the giving up, the selling of the birthright, the tricking into the selling of the birthright. Because he was hungry. Right. And that was a huge deal. That meant that they that Jacob would get a double portion of the share. He gets the, the kind of patriarchal rights for everything that comes after him. Mm-hmm. So it really was a massive bugaboo. Yeah. Back when that kind of thing was... was to, I mean, it, you know what? It's still a thing. It's still a thing. People having wills and contesting who should have what and all that malarkey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not wrong. And Jacob took advantage of Esau in a moment of weakness. Yes. Yeah. And then did it again later. So when when their father was dying, he made a, a deathbed request. He was like, oh, I want Esau to bring me some of that sweet, sweet venison. <laughs> I love meat. Oh, and, and he said, and I'll bless him with my everlasting whatever favor. And uh, Rebecca was like, hey, Jacob, now's your chance to really seal the deal here. Go get some meat. Go get a goat, and I'll cook it to taste like venison. And you can cover yourself with animal fur because Esau is hairier than you. And so and the father was blind at this point. So he tricked him again. He tri- he's, he's always pulling tricks. <laughs> he's, uh, he's the trickster god of the Bible, or the trickster character, rather. In a way, and, and because of that, he, his house becomes this massive, you know, he's, I think that, that becomes one of the big tribes of Israel. Mm. So if we go to the text... Yeah, let's look at the lyrics themselves. Who cares about the family silver that glints in dusty halls lined with badly painted landscapes on badly painted walls? Who cares about the family silver that glints in dusty halls lined with badly painted landscapes on badly painted walls? It's interesting. He's not exactly telling the story here. It's kind of, it's almost the opposite. Well, I mean, it's all, it is what Esau said. Why would I want this if I'm dead? Right, right, right. But this kind of, this kind of translates more to why would I want this? Because it's, it's trash. Or or, or to say, why fight over it? We're equal in our brotherhood. Oh, so this is, this is the lesson learned from this parable in the Bible. For me, this reads as a very, I never thought about this as Esau's dialogue, although it it actually really could be. And that makes a lot of sense. We're not old fools of competition. We're not going to compete. We don't have to compete. Yeah. We're siblings seated at this, at this table. And Jacob says, yeah, right. Yeah. That's, that's easy enough for the guy with the birthright to say. Right, 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 right. But at the same time, also thinking about the historical context of that conflict, you know, it did create two nations who were in conflict with each other for, for ages. Yeah. And I almost feel like it's saying in a modern context, yeah, we have this longstanding dispute, but we're actually just equal. We're not, you know, none of that stuff really matters. We are, we need to seize on our legacy of humanity before that is sold. Yeah. Blood runs thicker, blood runs cold, seize legacy before it's sold. Blood runs thicker, blood runs cold, seize legacy before it's sold. We're going to die anyway, so we may as well be friends while we're alive. 
Yeah, I, I do think it is. It's the lesson. It's what's to be learned from this, this little chunk of the Bible here. Well, and, and in the Sunday school approach, you know, when you look up like, what does the story mean? What you'll get in your search results are, it's a reminder that brothers should always love each other and family always comes first, which is not at all what happens in the story. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's the lesson. Yeah. Right. The actual lesson is if you can, by being clever, cheat someone over, you will gain power for 30 generations. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So it's it's socialism versus capitalism. Ooh, interesting. Or oligarchy. Interesting. I'm going to step on all of these people to get to where I am versus let's all share our venison and our potatoes. You grow parsnips. I grow potatoes. He caught a deer. Let's make a good stew. <laughs> let's make a good stew. I had a parsnip for the first time in forever last week. Okay. I bought a single one from Wegmans because it's been so long. I just chucked it. I covered it in olive oil, a little salt and pepper, chucked it in the oven, baked it for a little bit. Boy, that that is like candy. Those are so yeah. good. Yeah. So good. You can imagine selling a birthright for one of those. I would for for a good good baked parsnip. Yeah. You know, this area that this story takes place in is the the area around the Red Sea, what is current day Israel, Jordan, and... Pretty appropriately placed then, huh? Well, and, you know, it's it, when, you, when you put this story in that context, oh my gosh, how many conflicts that last millennia yeah. could have been avoided? Right, yeah. I mean, do they even know why they're fighting anymore? It's it's Hatfields and McCoys, you know? It's just been, well, I I grew up and was told to hate these people, so here we go. Well, and, and it's and it's even about the, you know, it's it's now about land and power and who has the rights to X place. Right, yeah. You gave up your birthright of this land because we forced you to, because we tricked you out of it. Right. It's really, really... For me, this song comes off as a... A reminder of our humanity. Yeah. A reminder that we're all the same and so we should play nice. I like that. I think that's the that's that's the best thing to pull from it, surely. But the darkness in the music, I think, maybe is a reminder that just because you play nice doesn't mean that your fellow brother is gonna play nice. It's it's tricky. It's really a, a hard one to unravel. Yeah, it's didn't they do like they did like a, a scientific experiment where they put two people in a room with like shock shock buttons, and if you both decide to not shock the person each other, no one gets shocked. Uh huh. But if if only what is it if and if you both shock, you both get shot. No, I forget what it is. There's something. There's something there. But if you shock first, then the other person can't shock you. Yeah, there's something there where like it, there is this like in almost an incentive it's either the incentive to do the shocking or do your best to trust that this other person is going to to treat you like a human like you would presumably be treating the other person it's like in the dark night with the joker when he he puts he creates he puts the two bombs on the two boats and he gives the control to the to the one bomb to the other boat and he's expecting mm. them to, to blow each other up. Mm -hmm. He's like, if you blow up the other boat, I won't blow you up. God, he's so good. I got to rewatch that again just for his Joker. 
Fun little fact about Jacob. He has a whole other thing. And he, he ends up tricking his brother several more times down the road. What a dick. But also, Jacob is where the name Israel comes from, because Jacob wrestles with the angel of God. And that concept translates to Israel, to wrestle with the angel of God, or that it, it derives from there. Hmm. He's kind of a scoundrel. He's like, is he's not a hero of the Bible, is he? Like, is he a respected character of the Bible? Is anyone a hero of the Old Testament? Are there any heroes in the Old Testament? Adam? I mean... I mean, he gets, he gets hoodwinked into eating the fruit of knowledge. Noah saved the human race. Ugh, if you can call it a race. Getting it on with his, uh, with his daughters. Oh, yeah, quite gross. Lot, not his wife, but Lot. I feel like I feel like they're, they're they aren't heroes. It's more like people who could follow instruction. <laughs> yeah, they they could build an IKEA shelf. They can just walk out of town and not look back. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, they're doing the the bare minimum of being being decent humans, I guess. Nick, what are we listening to uh, next week? Next week, uh, mentioned earlier, it is one of the darker songs. It is Mine is the Mountain. I already have chills. I have pre-goosebumps. I love Ian's voice in this one. I'm so excited. Mine is the Mountain. Very good. If you want to avoid the evil eye... Why don't you do so by getting a Talk Tell to Me branded ball cap, which you can pull over your eyes and avoid making contact with those evildoers. Who cares about the family silver that glints in dusty halls when you can spend your time in our Discord chat, a community where there are no riches. There's only equal footing between brothers and sisters in tall, which you can get by simply sacrificing $5 or $15 a month on the altar of Patreon. Your rating and review does not have to be a well-painted landscape. We've seen them run the gamut. You can, you can give us a, a, a brief sentence and title and give us those five stars, but we do appreciate that inheritance. I would love to leave that to Rook. Uh, when I pass. And if you are tied to drudgery, why not take the bomb of our unedited videos and solve it, apply it as a, as a tender solve to your headache? <laughs> That's a, that was a bit of a stretch. Thank Until you. next week, I am filled with tales of superstition, Nick McGill. I'm hung out to dry, Omen Thomas said. We are old fools, but not of competition, the feckless momes. And this is the set table place. Talk tall to me. Oh, oh, he's here. He's here. My plans, my plans are coming to fruition. 
Oh, oh my God, Jacob. You get, I was standing out on your porch for like 15 minutes. you have any idea how cold it is out here? Welcome, Esau. I wanted you to be ready for a feast of a lifetime. Oh, I haven't eaten since I went to that Dunkin' back, in, uh, back on uh, the Jersey Turnpike. I was so... I had to pee in a dumpster. Come on in, Esau. It, it, that's, that, we don't... You don't call Dunkin' a dumpster. Come on now. Wow, you, I really love what you've done with the place. You, uh, that's what, uh, hey, that's what happens when you get a wife from the right side of the tracks. Yeah, you know it. You know it. Charlotte is, uh, she's visiting her mom right now, so it's just oh, you and nice, me for nice. Sunday supper. You know, Pops never loved that I, that I married a girl from, from New Brunswick. Enough. Enough about the ladies. Let you and me sit and talk about the family, talk about food. What's that? Beautiful smell. My God, what is that? Is that a, is that a prosciutto wrap that I see there? Is oh, that a yes. prosciutto twirled around the piece of Mott's? You know it is. You know it is, brother. Man, let me get in there. I really I uh, want uh, a couple uh, pieces uh, of that. Hold on just a moment. What? What? I just, I, w- I want you to know that, that this, this spread this wide array of foods is is not exactly cheap, so I'm I'm hoping you could maybe chip in. Uh, uh, hey, I'm I'm your brother. Whatever you whatever's mine is yours. I don't oh. need, I don't even care. I just I just want that I want that sweet mozzarella in my mouth. What what do you need from me? You want perfect. You you give me that leather jacket that you're wearing, and you could have all the mozzarella you oh, want. Oh oh, bro! I you you too. You put this jacket on right oh, now. Yeah. Look how oh yeah. Oh, good it fits, fits you. Oh, I'm gonna zip oh, yeah. it up for you right here. Oh. Thank you. There's some oh. cash in the pockets. You keep that. Oh, oh, the mozzarella. Oh, oh, this is definitely you got the good stuff down from Costco. This oh. is. Uh, oh, absolutely. Mm. Oh, that prosciutto is so salty. Wow. Yeah. Oh. How about a how about a nice uh, a nice bowl of gabagool? I would love a gabagool. I would love I would love a bowl of it and uh, to wash down that beautiful prosciutto. Let me let me bowl. Give me a bowl of it. I'll just eat it with my hands. Before we go there, I, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. You got yourself a new lawnmower just uh, just about a month ago. Don't even don't even talk about my. It's not even my lawnmower. It's yours. It's Jacob. my lawnmower. I got that lawnmower for you. I already mowed my lawn. That's that's perfect. I appreciate that. I brought it. I brought it in the Chevrolet. Perfect. Why don't you uh? Why don't you take this ball? Let's go. Oh, oh! It doesn't even. I can't even cut it with another spoon here. Oh my God! Is that it's extra ghoul in there? I'm so parched. Have you got anything that I could drink that I could slake my first with? My tongue positively cleaves to my palate. While I was at Costco, I got only the finest box of red wine for oh, you. Oh, you are singing my song. You are speaking my language. I would like that in a gallon-sized glass if you got one around. I've got those commemorative cups from the 7-Eleven, the Slurpee yes. cups. I'll, uh, I'll pull one of those out. <laughs> those were good times. Hey, hey, do you... Do you got? Do you need a? Do you need a timepiece? You need timepiece, Jacob. You know I do not have an up-to-date Rolex. I think. Uh, I know that wine isn't free. I know you worked hard for that wine. That's I'm not right. going to eat you out of home, and I'm going to give you this Rolex. I'm going to put it on your wrist, on oh, your smooth, you. delicate wrist. Your wrists are so dainty, a woman-like. Your hands have got no calluses. I have bird bones. That's so precious. I'm so I'm so fond of you. You're like a little creature that I want to just keep in this house, and you should get groceries delivered to you. Uh, y- you let me go out and work in the in the factories. I go down to the docks. I lift the crates. 
Yeah. S- speaking of crates, that crated cheese looks pretty good. <laughs> crated cheese on top of crepes. You got it. I right here. Him. I want him. I'll never stop eating. I I would love to feed you, but there's I, I think there's maybe just one more thing. What is it? That I, I need from you. Do you need me to service your car again? You never did learn how to change your oil. Don't want don't worry about it. I already done changed it when I was waiting out for you to get the door. You got fresh oil in your in your Subaru. Oh, that was for that was for opening the door. Oh, okay. <laughs> but for this, I just need you to tell me one thing. What is it? What is it, bro? I need you to be honest with me. This is a, a secret that I need you to tell me. I think it's very important for our birthright. I'll tell it. I'll tell you anything. This box of wine has gotten me head spinning. I need you to tell me what is talk told to me. Oh, Jacob. Oh, Jacob. I, I, I swore I would never. I swore this day would never come. But it's time you learned. I need your honesty. It's time you learn what talk told to me is and put in a little bit of extra cheddar on that crap if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I'm grating it. Oh, don't stop grating it. I'll tell you when. I will grate until you stop talking. Grate it directly into my mouth. But after I tell you this, the secret that mom and pops never told us, it was too painful for them. They thought it would wreck your precious constitution that always was, uh, you know, a hair triggers away from having some kind of a stroke. That's right. I have my episodes. But but sit down. Have have a shot at this fine whiskey that I brought in my flask. It's a it's a Vagalvlun from nineteen forty five. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the cost. And and let me tell you that talk tall to me. I never thought I would say these words. Talk tall to me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. I knew it. I knew it. You are now under my thumb. You are in my power, Esau. As long as that power involves cheese, I don't care. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. Nom, 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 nom.